Hello and welcome to Zurich's Perspectives, Zurich Canada's podcast where we deliver market insights and thought leadership. Today is number eight of our podcast series. My name is Albin Laloum and I manage customer distribution, marketing and regional management for Zurich Canada. As part of the financial services industry, insurance has always been a highly regulated sector and this is true all over the world. Indeed, when you think about it, insurance plays such a critical role in the country's economy and even globally. Insurance is indeed ubiquitous. Insurance allows companies and individuals to take risk, whether it's through the purchase of a home or the construction of a new plant nearby or thousands of miles away. Insurance companies take on risks so that companies can do what they do best, i.e. invest, manufacture, build, earn a profit, and reinvest. It makes sense, therefore, for governments to build regulatory frameworks to ensure that insurance companies have the financial wherewithal to do what is expected of them today and in the long run. To help us understand what is the regulatory framework in Canada, I've asked Jill Lemkin, General Counsel of Zurich Canada, to join us today. Jill has been with Zurich for four years, and prior to joining Zurich, she was already working for another carrier in the legal department in Canada. Here's our conversation with Jill. Jill, hi, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for being here with us today. So let me ask, uh, let me start with a broad question here. How is insurance regulated in Canada? Who's in charge? So there, there's a couple of regulators. So if you're a federally, federally incorporated company, you are regulated by the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, or OSFI, as we say. And OSFI is you know, there to determine financial soundness. Uh, solvency issues, etc. And then, you, you know, each jurisdiction that you do business in, you would be subject to the provincial regulators in that jurisdiction. And they would be looking at licensing issues and market conduct as well. Now, there are companies that are solely incorporated in a province, and they're subject to the provincial regulators for all matters. So if you're only incorporated in one province, then you're not subject to OSFI. Only companies that are federally incorporated are subject to OSFI regulation. Yes. Okay. Oh, and branches, I should say, which Zurich is a branch in Canada as well. Okay. So we are is, subject to OSFI. Is there a lot of disparity in regulation from province to province, or is there a lot of common themes and really they're kind of a lot of the same? Well, they're not as harmonized as we would like. So mm -hmm. you really have to look at each jurisdiction and each act in each jurisdiction to understand what the requirements are. You know, we would love them to be more harmonized, but that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, regulators, we know that's true all over the world, sort of move very slowly, right? They're not institutions that tend to uh, um, keep up with changes um, pretty rapidly. But so historically, what has been the focus of OSFI in Canada? And has this changed uh, in the last 12 to 18 months? So, I mean, OSFI is always concerned about financial soundness, capital levels, mm -hmm. solvency, risk management. So that really hasn't changed. But mm -hmm. I would say definitely they've been very busy in the last 12 months and their plans you know looking forward for the next 12 to 18 months they're very busy and they're really really delving into some meaty issues so 
let me just kind of go into some of the topics that they're mm-hmm. going into. One would be climate risk. And, you know, as insurance companies, we, we understand all too well the impact that climate change is having and how expensive it can be. And so OSFI is is certainly looking at that. They announced back in 2019 that they're going to be looking into this and we will be promoting an increased understanding and monitoring of of this type of risk uh, for insurance companies and banks, et cetera. In uh, November of last year, the OSFI announced uh, together with the Bank of Canada plans to to do a pilot project um, and to use climate change scenarios to better understand risks. Uh, you know, to the financial uh, system related to the transition to a low carbon economy. So there's a a small group of banks and insurance companies who are participating in this project. And then OSFI in January of this year released a discussion paper entitled Navigating Uncertainty in Climate Change. And it was a substantial paper and it, it focused on risks arising from climate change that can affect the safety and soundness of regulated entities, insurance companies, pension plans, et cetera. And we were given an opportunity to respond to that paper by April 12th. And, you know, the industry associations and individual companies spent a lot of time looking at that and answering the questions that OSFI had posed to us. And now, you know, really, you could tell they're, they're trying to understand how do we identify how do we risk manage these risks and how do we collect data on it? So it's really just trying to understand all of these issues. And the plan now, which has been publicly announced is, is for OSFI to release an industry letter in Q3 of this year, which is gonna summarize the feedback they got on the paper. And, and it will set out their expect their proposals for future climate related risk initiatives. So we're all very curious to see what happens there. Let me ask you something. Is OSFI, do we believe that OSFI is equipped to tackle this type of massive challenge in, in changes in almost the scope? And the, the, is that a change in their mandate? Or I mean, how, how do you think they're going to go about this? Oh, there's so much uncertainty and so much that we don't know about climate change, no? Yeah, I mean, that's a really tough question. I, I, I think OSFI is looking to us to help educate them mm-hmm. uh, to, to point out the issues. I mean, I think we have a, I think the industry works really well with OSFI to, to try to get them to, to see how, how really what the real issues are and what we're doing. And we also, you know, most, a lot of these insurance companies, we have global perspectives. We're part of global mm-hmm groups and we can bring a global perspective and and talk about what's going on in other jurisdictions which is what you saw in a lot of the feedback you know what's happening around the world how other regulators are looking at this and OSFI would be looking at that as well so I don't think it's an easy task for OSFI Mm -hmm. and you know will they get it perfect I'm not sure but um I think we all appreciate that they come to us first with a substantial discussion paper and try to get as much feedback from us as as they can and not everybody in Canada, as an insurance company, is part of a global company, no. right? Right. There's a, there's a fair amount of domestic firms, right? So that don't yes. have necessarily the global view that a company like Zurich has and experience that we have in other jurisdictions. So, um, and we bring that. That's what we bring to the table, right? It, right it's right. you know that that is what we can add and and 
And that's what we, we do. That's why we participate in these, in these associations and feedback, you know, that OSFI requests from us. So last year, you and I and others, part of the Zurich Executive Committee, were talking about um, totally unrelated changes that OSFI was thinking about bringing to the industry around reinsurance, right? And how much reinsurance companies that operate in Canada would be able to buy outside of Canada and how this would be counted you know, in terms of solvency, if you were buying your reinsurance outside of Canada or in Canada, what happened with those conversations that I think it was about a year ago, right? That OSFI might've been even pre-pandemic when they released their initial paper. And then what happened with that? Right. So this is a, a big issue for the industry. So the original proposals were issued in 2018. And at the time, they contemplated, you know, capitalization for three full limit losses simultaneously, regardless of where they were located, and you would get zero credit for any, you know, unlicensed reinsurance, which is reinsurance outside of Canada. And that had caused quite a stir. Uh, And, uh, you know, estimations were that this could impact the industry 21 to $31 billion in extra capital needing to be brought into Canada. Mm -hmm. And, you know, would we all call our home offices and say, we're going to need a few more billion dollars of capital here? You know, would they give it? So really the risks were that there would be decreased capacity, higher prices, that companies would go outside of Canada to get their insurance because they could only find it outside of Canada, which really flies in the face of what OSFI is trying to do, which is mm-hmm. protect policyholders, right? Well, if they're going offshore to get insurance, you're not protecting them at all. So, and you're hurting, were, and you're hurting the insurance industry in Canada. Yes, exactly. You're yeah, you're hurting yeah. the insurance, and, and you can't guarantee that there's any better safeguards out there, right? At least if yeah. you keep it onshore, you know what you're, you know how you're protecting them. So. There was a very organized response back to OSFI and it, and it was, you know, involved a coalition of insurance, um, reinsurance, title insurers, and is it saying all of those issues. And, and to OSFI's credit, they listened. And so in November of last year, they did release a new draft of Guideline B2. So that's what we've been talking about, Guideline B2 and, and Guideline B3. Um, is what we we're talking about on the reinsurance side. And so they released it and said, give us comments by March 18th. So the good news is that the proposals moved from a full three limit loss to a maximum loss on a single insurance exposure. And the expectation is that we will develop and establish our criteria on how do we determine and how do we measure a maximum loss. So all of this to say is it's markedly better than what we were given in 2018 but of course there's still there were still a lot of issues that we had with the with the draft you know issues with how while we like principles based approach how would they consistently supervise this and you know how do you come up with an appropriate benchmark for determining a single insurance exposure when lines of business are different when companies have different approaches and then and then lastly like how do you transition how much time do you have to transition to these new requirements because we have you know multi-year policies and things like that so and the underlying issues still remain the same no real recognition of home office capital, no credit for offshore reinsurance. And and really, 
you know, arguments to say there, you know, if, if companies have robust risk management processes, you know, and have a robust plan on reinsurance, why can't we get some credit for that? It's not, you know, we're not taking flagrant risks here where we don't know if we're going to recoup some money on these things. So those issues still remain. And uh, OSFI's publicly committed, we're going to get final versions of guideline B2, uh, which is the large exposure guideline and guideline B3, which is the reinsurance practices and procedures guideline in Q4 of this year. So it's almost here. So we're probably still a year away from any sort of definite new regulation, right? I mean, if there's a, if there's a new letter that comes out in Q4, there'll be some back and forth again between the industry. There will be no back and forth. No, so this okay. is the final draft. Final so draft. it'll be okay. final now, but that doesn't mean there won't be a transition period. We've been okay. pushing for a length, you know, depending on where we end up on the, on the thing, on the, the final requirements, we've been pushing for lengthy transition periods, try to explain why that would be necessary. So while the guideline will be final, we're not sure really how much time we'll have to implement. Okay. Um, now, so we've talked about reinsurance. We've talked about climate risk, which is new. Um, what other emerging risks um, are is OSFI concerned about? Um, there's a lot of a lot of things happening in the cyber world here, right? Um, is is OSFI concerned about um, how um, catastrophic cyber? Uh, claim might affect the uh, Canadian insurance industry? I mean, is that something that they have in their, um, in their crosshair, in their sight? Absolutely. So I would say that's one of the biggest things they're worried about is cyber risk, really. Uh, and we've seen OSFIs come out just recently in the last few weeks saying that they have uh, concerns about cyber risk. It's a strategic priority for them in 2021, and they're going to be issuing a questionnaire in 2021, maybe 2022, but they're looking for information on how we identify, measure, and manage our cyber insurance underwriting risk. And they're going to be getting our input on approaches to supervision. So I, I would say, you know, the pandemic, and I'm sure that's going to come up, but I would say during mm -hmm. the pandemic, cyber risk has, in my mind, has risen to the top of OSFI's concern, right? You know, we've seen an increase of cyber attacks, ransomware, all of that. And so the question being, how much exposure do insurance companies have to this risk? You know, is it properly capitalized? Is it properly risk managed? Mm -hmm. So is, is the pandemic now less important to the industry than cyber, which was really a consequence of the pandemic? I mean, those are two distinct risks, right? So um, how does OSFI look at the pandemic risk on its own versus a corollary, a corollary, corollary of the pandemic or consequence of the pandemic, which is um, aggravated um, cyber exposure for a lot of companies in Canada? So good question. Uh, you know, in my view about what I've observed, you know, the, the regulators, of course, when the pandemic hit, you know, they were reaching out to us. We heard from OSFI immediately, certain provincial regulators requesting information. And I would say, you know, we were, the industry was transparent, um, was able to provide 
information to, I think, to demonstrate we understood where the exposures were and we were properly capitalized for it, in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we continue to have to, to report to OSFI monthly on, on pandemic-related things, um, but there hasn't been much discussion of it uh, you know, in the last year, and my sense is what's emerged is their their concerns over the cyber risk more more so than anything. So we haven't had any instance in the last twelve months of an insurance company in Canada that has uh, signaled that they could not face um, their new liability obligations arising out of the pandemic. So there's there's no insurance company that we know of as we speak today, that are on the, the brink of bankruptcy or defaulting on its obligations? No, no. not that I know of. No. Um, so that's interesting. So so in your view, so do you think OSFI regulation, the framework that, they, that they've had historically, um, has, has shown success and fairly robust uh, outcome in terms of how to deal with the pandemic, right? I mean, it's, it's been a successful response to, from the insurance industry to a rather catastrophic and certainly unplanned and foreseen event, right? Yeah, I mean, we have, you know, OSFI is a robust regulator. You know, we've got our provincial regulators. You know, we're in a highly regulated environment, and I think it's worked. I think we've, we've managed to do well. I also think that the industry's response to the pandemic has helped, right? Again, mm-hmm. being transparent with the regulators uh, so that they didn't panic, Um being, uh, you know, stepping up, auto insure, stepping up to mm-hmm. offer some relief, right. um, you know, insurance companies being creative in solutions they can offer insureds, you know, like you need insurance if this, if this event goes through, but if it doesn't, maybe you get a premium refund if it doesn't right. because of COVID, right? So mm-hmm. I think we've all, I think there was a real sense of how do we get through this together? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, yeah, I think I think that was noticed and, and recognized, and and I don't get the sense that OSFI is losing a lot of sleep over this now. I don't know. They don't mm-hmm. call and tell me that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it 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 seems and certainly feels that you know when you're in the market on a day to day basis with the brokers that are listening to us that um, it continues to be a pretty active and dynamic insurance environment, right? There's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of markets. I'm not aware of any markets that disappeared. Now, some insurance mm-hmm. companies have had to pull out, you know, withdraw capacity, you know, um, have to make some cuts here or there, but but there's still plenty of choices and options for buyers of insurance in Canada, which is, I think, um, is a good testimony to to um, to the um, um, OSFI um, regulation. So that's, I think that's uh, kudos to them. Yeah. So and so, can I add one thing to the sure, the conversation sure. about cyber? I mean, the flip side is OSPI is also very concerned about technology risk, right? Like mm-hmm. cybersecurity of the actual insurance companies themselves, and and right. so there there is a focus on that as well. So there was a, another discussion paper. So when I say OSPI's been busy, this is what I mean, right? So there's mm-hmm. been in September of last year a discussion paper entitled "Developing Financial Sector Resilience in a Digital World." And so really the, the, the focus of the paper was rapid technology, digitalization, and really how does that you know, destabilize the Canadian financial sector? Mm-hmm. And so it's this, it's this constant 
discussion, right, of innovation versus policy protection. So they see three priority risk areas being cybersecurity, advanced analytics like um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, and then, of course, third-party outsourcing. So they're going to be releasing a new technology and cyber risk guideline in Q4 of this year. And they're going to be making some updates to some of the other guidelines like outsourcing and things of that nature to, to really think about these concerns and make sure that insurance companies are thinking of these concerns and, right. and how we manage them. So, so beyond the financial solvency of the insurance companies, OSFI is concerned about the um, the strength of the business models, right? So how resilient are the business model of the insurance companies operating in Canada from a cyber standpoint, from an operation and technology standpoint, right? That's not, yeah. It doesn't have much to do about the, the size of the balance sheet and how strong your balance sheet is. It has to do with how strong your business model is, right? From from an operations technology and in, in, um, IT standpoint, right? Absolutely, right? And, and yeah. you know, one of the concerns that came out of the pandemic as well is if if you outsource, where did you outsource to? Right, and, right, right. you know, from a business continuity model, if it was to a country where they were, you know, immediately went into lockdown and had no access to getting to their computers, how good was your operational plan? So, you know, and it wasn't, you couldn't just, well, do it in a different country. Like it was a global right. pandemic, right? So right. these were right. these were issues that really you never thought about before. Like the whole world goes down was never really part of anyone's business continuity yeah. plan. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very interesting things absolutely. to think about. Yeah. Let me shift gear um, on your here, Jill. Um, as part of your um, mandate within Canada, and you know, we work, you know, we work exclusively with brokers. So we have compliance, um, you know, that that entails auditing and making sure that our brokers are compliant with us, are compliant with um, the provincial uh, regulator. What is there anything that we need to pay attention to in particular that the listeners here should be aware of? So is there anything that keeps you awake at night? I mean, or is this steady? She goes, you know, everybody is sort of, you know, doing a pretty good job in terms of looking at their own compliance, their compliance vis-a-vis the local regulator, but also vis-a-vis carriers like us? Uh, or is there something that that we should be uh, paying close attention to? So there's not a lot that keeps me up. I think, you know, we deal with sophisticated business partners, the brokers, uh, and we're all trying to do the right thing. I think, you know, where I can see, you know, be seen as like frustrating efforts is when there's an innovative idea, you know, a different distribution method that, you know, a broker brings to us and, oh, it could even be online and it's going to be an app and all of these things, which, you know, I'm sure it's no surprise to hear that the regulations don't quite keep up with innovation and, and, the, and that's a big problem for us. And so, you know, I'm trying to apply old licensing requirements into new technology. I'm worried about privacy issues that are extremely, you know, robust here in Canada and only getting more, more robust as we go. And so those are the types of things um, that, you know, the business, you know, has a a great, fantastic idea and doesn't understand why it can't just be done immediately. And so Mm. that's, that's when I get involved other than that, you know, when I when I get involved with a broker, again, it's not often, but sometimes, you know, certificates of insurance where 
hey, can you just sign this? They need it to get on site in the next five minutes. And it's like, well, this substantially changes the policy and certifies we've reviewed 12 underlying contracts we've never even seen. So, you know, I get it. I get that it's hindering business, but like sneaking stuff into an insurance certificate really causes me problems. And, um, and sanctions endorsements, which an issue, you know, that never goes away. I just wish the industry would agree on one blanket statement that just says, to the extent we're subject to sanctions laws, we're subject to sanctions laws, which is like basically a statement of the law, right? It's it, They are what they are, and we have to abide by them. And so putting on this sanctions endorsement seems to cause endless problems for people. And so those are the things that, uh, that keep me up at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're not, so when you're not busy responding to letters from OSFI, um, and you're not busy doing Zurich Canada work, what, what do you do on your spare time? Um, and understanding that, understand, um, uh, Ontario restrictions have been somewhat lifted in the last 48 hours. So you guys are seeing the end of the light of the tunnel here. So are you uh, looking forward? What are you looking forward to doing soon? Travel, of course, love mm-hmm. to travel, love to go somewhere warm. Can't wait to get out of my basement gym, which is uh, a yoga mat and some weights um, and get back out there into the, well, at least even to work outside will be a treat now that the weather's turned nice. Uh, so yeah, I'm one of those crazy people who gets up at five and works out at six with my trainer. That's kind of my free time because I have uh, smaller kids. So other than that, it's, it's traveling and I look forward to getting back in the office at least a few days a week and resuming those relationships with, uh, my colleagues and past colleagues. Yes. We'll, we'll, we're all looking forward very much to going back to the office. Hopefully we're just a few weeks away from being able to do that. Jill, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Um, and answering our questions. I think it was very enlightening. Thank you so much for what you're doing for Zoe Canada. And now I'll be seeing you very soon, either on Teams or in the office. Sounds good. Thanks, Elba. Take care. Thank you, Jill. Bye. Bye. So I hope you've all enjoyed listening to Jill this afternoon. Three big takeaways for me. And I think the conversation that we just had with Jill was relatively easy to follow, I'm hoping. But three main themes here. One is OSFI trying to build a more robust framework around reinsurance uh, for insurance companies in Canada. What I mean by that is, is OSFI going to give credit or no credit for the purchase of reinsurance outside of Canada or not? And depending on what happens in the next several weeks and months here, and we don't have to wait for very long, I think Jill said Q4, this could be relatively impactful for Canadian insurance companies, and the buyers of insurance in Canada. So stay tuned. Uh, We'll know a lot more between now and the end of the year. There's been a lot of work done by all carriers together with the regulator since, I think Jill said, going back to 2018 on how to build a, a more robust framework, but also allowing for companies to seek reinsurance outside of the country when they need to, right? Which I think seems like a reasonable request, at least to me. But more recently, clearly OSFI has uh, also attended to bring some some light to to the issue, the new emerging issue of, of cyber risks and climate change. And these are, as we all know, relatively 
new emerging risks that have caught a lot of headlines recently since the beginning of the pandemic. Cyber attacks, ransomware have never been more numerous than what we've seen in the last six months. Uh, some insurance companies have taken a hard stand on ransomware. And so OSFI understandably is not concerned about, you know, how are insurance companies themselves showing resilience to a cyber attack? And there was, you know, it's public information. There was an insurance company in the States, CNA, a few weeks ago that was um, attacked and ransomed. And I think the number also was in the media, it was $40 million. So no insurance company is really uh, can say that they're not going to be cyber attacked. Understandably, the regulator wants to know how you're going to respond to a cyber attack if you're an insurance company. How will you be able to continue running your business if all of your computers are down? So that's the first thing. The other major topic, I don't think we can get bigger than that, is climate change. So OSFI is also asking questions of the industry about, you know, how you're accounting for climate change in your assessment of your balance sheet. And that's, that's a pretty hard question and probably a series of questions that insurance companies are going to have to ask themselves. We know that there's been a lot of natural catastrophes more frequent than expected in the last several years. We, we believe that climate change has something to do with it. So the question is, are insurance companies operating in a country, say Canada, prepared to respond to their obligations slash liabilities when, if there is an increase in the frequency and severity of climate change. So interesting to see that the, the regulator, OSFI in Canada, is shifting its attention, not giving up on, you know, the more traditional uh, regulatory issues, but also adding, I should say, probably its focus uh, to cyber and, and climate change. So Companies like Zurich and plenty of others in Canada are going to be very busy in the next several weeks, months, and years trying to cope with these new risks and having to convince the regulator that they're prepared for these major events when they happen. I want to thank you for your time again today. I want to remind you that you can uh, find the podcast on Zurich Canada's website. I look forward to hearing from you suggestions and recommendations, ideas for a podcast on the following email address, ca.podcast at And I wish you the best. Take care and be safe. Thank you. Bye. was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee
guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.